0: Alright, what are we doing? Let's do a show! Okay. Overture! Hit the lights!
1: <laughs> that was coming.
0: This is it. We'll hit the heights. The the night. And oh, what heights we'll hit! On with uh, the show, this is it! <laughs> <laughs> back to the bin okay so uh, hello everybody and welcome to a very special back to the bins why is it very special because you got the three of us <gasps> i'm paul Spataro. that's scott gardner and that's All Bill right. Robinson. Uh, dope. Who could ask for anything more?
1: Toyota.
0: What's happening, guys? Oh <laughs>
1: <Ba-da-ba-ba-ba- laughs>
0: wait, that's what is that? That's that's McDonald's. <laughs> that's I'm, I'm loving, loving
1: it.
2: it, you dope.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, the show will be nothing but cart, cart guy. Bye Comic no. Uh, <laughs> advertising jingles. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I'm really tired, all right,
0: and my head hurts. And my <laughs> head hurts. Plop plop fizz fizz. Oh, what a relief it is! No, that, uh, that's Yosemite Sam. <laughs> I knew exactly what you were talking about. <laughs> was that when he was, was, was? that actually when he was trying to draw the gun? <laughs> Something. <laughs> when he, when like he said, "He yeah. staring at me. You make me nervous, and my head hurts.'" <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> hmm Hmm, hmm. Uh-huh. Stinks.
0: <laughs> you were right on the money. That was Marvel with my artwork. Right. <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, if it helps, I, I think I've had reviews like that too. So.
0: <laughs> well it's it's you know as as a, a high school age kid, uh I was probably more proud of my artwork than I should be. And then to just get totally, you know, just dismissed out of hand like that, it really was a blow to my ego at the time. It was, you know, I'm not saying they were wrong. Don't get me wrong because, you know, I wasn't nearly as good as I thought I was. But they could have let me down more gently. Right. Who was it? Do you know? Uh, I don't recall, and I don't think I have the letter anymore, which is surprising because I held onto it for Vinnie years. Coletta, right? <laughs> it, you know what? In hindsight, it may have been you a would, name I'd recognize. I don't know. You and Fred Hembeck have a lot in common. <laughs> Fred's a great guy. Don't don't be saying anything bad about Fred. No,
2: no, no. I enjoyed well, the it, interviews. It's, it's funny that story that he was telling because it reminded me of, and I, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you which um, quote unquote celebrity it was, but his story about being rejected by Vinnie Coletta reminded me of the like, you know, 10 nanoseconds I've ever watched of it. It was either American Idol or one of those other, you know, copycats where they have some absolute has been artist. And I'm thinking. I will be goddamned if I was a singer with any talent whatsoever or even no talent at all, and I would go on national television and let this person tell me that I suck. And I can't remember who it was, but that was my reaction to the story he was telling. I'm like, Vinnie Coletta, of all people, is, is critiquing other artists and shooting them down harshly like that. That that just you know if that's not the height of hypocrisy I don't know what is right there, I mean not don't get me wrong not that he was the worst artist ever but I, I I really liked that Fred Hembeck really you know he he confirmed what we were or or at least he agreed with what we've said many times is that the the true tragedy of Vinnie Coletta was not that the man had no talent and couldn't do the job is that he willingly chose not to do the job more often than not you know that was the really sad thing but, mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah looking back you know that, that <laughs> you is know exactly the truth it, it's the the depressing part about it is that he was so much more talented than what you saw mm-hmm. and it wasn't a matter of that he wasn't able to translate it he made a choice not to yep to, exactly for, for the sake of uh, expediency now you know yep that really would be you know when when you talk about like especially in the days you know in the 60s and 70s that was selling out to the man oh absolutely yeah that was you know totally give, having no integrity in your own work for the sake of getting a paycheck
2: yep yeah that's that's sad that's really sad oh well. Yeah, well do we have anything uh <laughs> more more cheerful to talk about <laughs>
0: Now I got nothing new. Uh, my book today, which I don't think we're getting to today, <laughs> uh, because I only think we're going to get to two books today instead of three, and I would be the third, so probably saving mine till next week. Uh, but I just want to put a thank you out there, because mine was sent to me by Kirk, uh, who was nice enough. Somehow he ended up with an extra copy of it, and he decided to send me his extra. And I thought, what better way to say thank you than to cover it on the show? Uh, so... You know, I'm just giving a, a a preview of next show. Thank you, Kirk.
1: <laughs> Yay!
2: Thank you, Kirk.
0: Anybody do any other comic sh- store shopping or any any uh, any
1: read, reading few, anything
0: new and different?
1: I uh, picked up a few issues of uh, Justice League of America and whatever. uh, the. What Free- ha! I mean the original,
2: volume one. Oh, good, yeah, that's oh. what I've been after. Where, where, whereabouts in the, whereabouts in the run? Oh, it's like, it's like a one sixty.
1: It's a, it's a spattering like one sixty five, one sixty seven, one seventy five. I think like okay. a one ninety nine. Is that they all the below two hundred?
0: The slightly oversized issues.
1: Uh, yeah. A little bit, maybe. You know, like the comics were going for got twenty-five like cents, entries. and they
0: had them for thirty-five at the time, and they were a little thicker.
1: Mm, maybe. And then it's... I also picked up
0: the book I got today. I picked up in a back
1: issue bin for a dollar, so I was happy to do Ooh. that. Or no, actually, it was two dollars. The... I'm sorry.
2: Where'd you find the Justice League's?
1: Justice League's were in a place called the Comic Swap or the Comic Club over in Brandon, and then the Journey to Mystery: The Birth of Krakoa was at Uncanny Heroes in Tampa, by my office where I work. Well, I don't work out of the office, but it was over by USF. That they've they've got they got a bunch of bins. It's like anything. And I think I mentioned it before. If it's anything below, if the cover price is below two dollars in this one section, it's two dollars. So like a forty cent book is two dollars. Oh, if it's be- if it's above, then it's like if it's two fifty, then the book it's basically. Cover price, which
2: I ain't buying that. Right. <laughs> nah, that so, ain't happening. do you that. have the Marvel tonight? Yes. Oh, all right. So, okay, I had your books flip flopped. I had each of you guys flip flopped for who had what book. So, oh, okay. Paul's is the one that I got to read.
0: I didn't get. I didn't get to finish. Well, yours, mine's but, pretty quick, oh, wow. so
1: that's that's not a big deal. It's it's a pretty
2: quick story. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah, well, well, I like? That's it. why. Yeah, I started... uh, that's why I figured mine was going to get sacrificed because I I would be the third of three. I got gotcha.
2: you. Okay. Um I haven't purchased any new comics lately. I told you guys about the the little Superboy score that I got recently. Um I I I generally being a, a superstitious person, I guess. I I generally don't talk about stuff that I've won or whatever on on eBay before it actually arrives cuz I'm afraid of jinxing things, but uh let me just say I, I got a pretty decent score the other day if it arrives in you know less than mangled condition, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So when I get it, I'll uh, I'll, I'll share and I'll gloat a bit, little bit about that, because I thought it was a pretty good deal that I got on it, something I've just been chasing for a while. Um, beyond that, I've been reading, uh, I loaded up my iPad with um, some stuff that I've just been wanting to get to for a while. Um, I decided to, to dive back into my read-through of Superboy, so I've been reading through that. Um I've been reading, because the recent movie was out and it put me in mind of the character again, I've been reading, well, and also the, the episode that we did, um, the Alan Weiss episode where uh, we covered, amongst other things, that, uh, that isu- issue of Shazam that he did. So I've been reading uh, Shazam. I've been reading, you know, the, the next issue, 35, was the last issue of that series, but then his story continued in World's Finest. So I've been reading uh, his adventures in World's Finest, and uh, they're a lot of fun. I, I've held off all these years on reading most of those stories because I've been trying to collect the actual issues. I wanted you know, the actual paper issues, and for some reason, they have gotten crazy expensive, so I'll probably never own the whole run. So I was like, screw it, I'm just going to go ahead and read them anyway, whether I actually own the the paper issues or not. And I'm having a blast. I mean, the artwork is, is beautiful. It's Don Newton. I really, I've really, i always been a big Don Newton fan. I'm really enjoying it. But man, are the stories really, really wacky. I mean, it's not that they're bad. Um, it's just they're, they're really wacky. And I have just seen nothing but bitching and complaining on the Internet about the, the recent Shazam movie. And all these people that are all indignant and butthurt about the movie and, you know, saying, you know, all the horrible things that they've been saying about it and everything. And I'm just like, you know, normally, it's not that I'm, I I don't want to be terribly down on these people because, you know, Lord knows I've had my time being one of those people, you know, especially when it comes to Superman or whatever. But with these people that are really you know, up in arms about the Shazam, I I have trouble in a lot of ways identifying because I'm like, what, what are you looking for in a Shazam movie? I mean, the movie wasn't perfect and it wasn't great, but it was fun and it was enjoyable. And I'm not quite sure what they're looking for because I think that maybe they have forgotten that in a lot of his incarnations, Cap was kind of goofy. And the movie's kind of like that. It's kind of goofy and silly, and it doesn't take itself terribly seriously. So, I don't know. I was I'm I'm a little mystified by that. But I read a, a story just the other night. I, I couldn't tell you which issue of World's Finest it was. It was I think it was in the two fifties. But it was one where, for some reason, he kept making these bets against. There was this alien that came down, and and this man's life was in danger because if he like lost a certain number of bets to the alien, he was gonna be killed or some stupid thing. So Captain Marvel steps in and, and makes the bets with the alien, and in each bet is more and more like a sure thing for the alien to win, but Cap figures out a way to to make it work to his advantage. So one of the bets that the guy that the alien makes is that the sun will rise in the west well, what's the only way that that you could make the sun rise in the west? Drop a nuclear bomb. <laughs> well, there, there's that. What else? Oh, sorry. So Cap and Mary actually stop the earth and then spin it backwards in order that the sun could rise in the west. Hmm. And there's even a moment before they start doing this where Cap actually points out the fact that they have to be really, really, really careful or they could accidentally kill millions of people. I'm thinking, wouldn't being really, really careful mean you, you don't do this? You, you don't actually stop the Earth from rotating and then spin it in the opposite direction? So I'm wondering, since they went ahead with their plan, what what was the... What was the thing that was not being careful? You know, It's just it's one of those ridiculous things that, you know, I mean, that that's really more of like a silver agey thing. And here are these stories, you know, these world's finest issues. These are what these were, I'm thinking, early 80s, no, late. I'm sorry, late 70s. I'm looking at 258 right now. This was uh, the August, September issue of, in, in uh, 1979. So late 70s. By this point, you would think that they, maybe DC would have moved away from that sort of well, thing. But well, compared nope.
0: to what they had been doing, those are relatively serious Captain Marvel stories.
2: Yeah, that's true.
0: When you consider that one of his prime villains was you know, a, a talking worm.
2: <laughs> that's very true. But that said, despite the silliness of that particular uh, chapter of the story, I- I've been digging it. It is a lot of fun. It's just you can't take it too seriously you have to just kind of accept it for what it is but uh, I'd highly recommend it if you if you like Captain Marvel uh, especially if you like Don Newton because damn is I mean I love Don Newton's art and uh, he you know he was just born to draw Captain Marvel and you can tell I mean he was a huge Captain Marvel fan and it really comes through in the artwork it looks really well or it looks really good and and one thing I really like about it is in a number of these stories, He's actually inked by um, by Kurt Schaffenberger. Now, I don't typically like Kurt Schaffenberger um, with, with most things. There's certain projects I think he was well suited to, like uh, New Adventures of Superboy and stuff like that. But typically, his his art style is a little too cartoony for me. But damn, does he really work well with with Newton as as an inker on Newton? There's something about their two, you know, very dissimilar styles that that melds, and it just looks good. I'm, I'm really impressed with this stuff. So, I'm hoping one of these days, you know, maybe with the new movie being out and doing as well as it, as it has, that maybe they would collect all this stuff. I cannot believe, at least to my knowledge anyway, that this particular um, run and iteration of, of DC's work with Captain Marvel has never been collected. The, the collected edition that they put out, the showcase they put out, stopped i believe at issue 33 so the issue before the big change that we covered during the the alan weiss episode so right. i don't know i don't it seems like somebody's just leaving money on the table by not collecting that second run i think it'd be really popular but i don't know but uh other than that let me see a uh, Superboy and uh what was the other oh uh this might make you happy, Paul. I decided uh, with the recent announcement of uh, one of the new Marvel movies that's going to come along in the future that uh, I would give Eternals a try. So I started digging into that.
0: Uh, much like a lot of uh, Kirby's, you know, kind of unencumbered work, uh, you know, where he had free reign uh-huh. to do things. It's it's kind of out there, but conceptually, it's fascinating.
2: I think it's interesting. Yeah, conceptually, I'll, I'll agree with you. It's it's the idea that fascinates me more than anything, and I'm really interested in how this is going to translate to the to the Marvel Cinematic Universe because I get a serious Ancient Aliens vibe off of this. Mm-hmm. And if they really embrace that and and really play with that concept in the MCU, that that could be fascinating. That could be really be interesting because you know, as we've said before, one of the things I really like about the Marvel Cinematic Universe is how, despite, you know, the, the overall blanket genre being superheroes, each different franchise of superhero has its own distinct feel, you know, you had Ant-Man was kind of like a, like a, like a crime romp type of thing, in uh, you know, Captain America winter soldier was, was like a like a seventies spy thriller, you know, that sort of thing. Right. So they could have a whole other genre with this, you know, the uh Chariots you know, the, of the Gods. Yeah, exactly. And I think that would be awesome. God, I would love that. You know? I think that could be so cool.
0: Yeah, I, I always thought you could do a real good uh real good meetup of them and I'm sure it happened in the comics, but I don't remember I never read it. You could do a good meet up with them and Thor and kind of acclimating himself to you know their gods and yet this is a race that is compared to them would be you know even more godlike right so i I think right. you know you yeah. could have, you could have a whole theological uh awakening with regard to that and and comparison uh between them and just kind of setting a a, a world order as far as the you know the not just the marvel cosmic but the marvel like mega cosmic powers you know the galactuses the uh, eternity you know characters like that you could start putting them all into play in 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 some way and that's if if your goal is to go bigger and better then that's a way of taking it a step further than what, what they're doing with the infinity gauntlet uh as opposed Absolutely. to what, what I would probably do is I'd probably tone it down for a while before ramping it up again. And, and by toning it down, I don't mean stop making shit movies. I, I mean, you know, just make things that are a little bit more individual and personal for a little while before you go into the mega blockbuster again. You know, with with the giant right, Dial back the threat. Yeah. You know, you yeah. could have, a, a, you know, whatever character you can have, obviously you're have Spider-Man is going to be the next one. So uh, from the trailer, it looks like uh, we have Sandman, uh, Hydro-Man, and Mysterio. You know, that, right. that's definitely dialed down from Thanos destroying half the life in the universe. Right. So, you know, I, yeah. I, I don't and that doesn't, again, it doesn't mean making a bad movie. It just means you're not going to try and top yourself every time as far as the level of the mega threat. Because I think that's that's a recipe for disaster, and that's what that's what what they do now with with you know with these giant summer crossover in the comics themselves, and and you know the huge comic fans get event fatigue from it. What what is the movie-going audience going to do if you start doing I, that?
2: Yeah. Well, they, you know they did the same thing with uh, with like the Star Trek novels for a time, you know, where. It, it, every single one of them had to be some big huge you know earth or universe threatening thing and you you just get burned out on it after a while it's like you know where's the you know the small simple episode or the you know even the goofy episode type of thing you know why does every single one of them have to be you know this this huge thing so yeah i, I agree with you But I I also, you know, I think it could be interesting, you know, this eternal saying, I have no idea where they're going to go or what they're going to do. I mean, they've just started kind of announcing little things about it so far. But, you know, just judging by the few issues of the series I've read so far, it seems like potentially this could play with some some ideas and concepts in the MCU that unfortunately um, Thor... You know, the Thor films just never, for whatever reason, for time reasons or whatever, never ventured into, you know. It, it seemed like they were very hesitant to, you know, up until Thor Ragnarok to actually call those characters gods and to explore, you know, the, the whole theology or, or mythology of those characters, you know, within, you know, that that concept of being, uh, you know, the the true Norse gods. And, you know, I'm, I'm not sure why they went that route. Maybe they were afraid of, you know, some sort of backlash or what. But with this, you know, the, the Eternals concept, maybe they could start to explore some of that stuff that they didn't do, uh, you know, with the, with the Thor franchise. It could be interesting.
0: Well, I think they have to be a little careful with how they present the theology. But I think, uh, you know, if you, if you leave it open to interpretation, I think you could do, I think you can do well with it. Right. You know, I, th- I think you just have to be careful not to be too too definitive in- on how you define things, because that's where you potentially run the risk of turning somebody off. So, right. So, but I, I you know, so far so good in Marvel I trust. That's all I could say <laughs> about the Marvel M the MCU. Uh, as we record this, we are uh, right up against uh, Endgame. My uh, my son is at the movies right now watching it. So I'm I'm very excited about getting there. And, I'm very jealous. Yeah. I, well, I did. I saw uh, Zaki Hassan posted a spoiler-free, one-paragraph review where he just said it's awesome. Uh, you know, in in, in much more, uh, you know, much more well-written prose than what I'm saying. But uh, he, you know, he had very very good things to say. Uh, and then I have a friend who's just seems to be down on everything lately and he he said as far as i'm concerned they call, could have called it uh avengers meh game <laughs> so uh, i don't i don't know if i'm going to be somewhere in the middle i if, if if anywhere though i expect to be closer to zaki's uh, opinion when, once all is said and done
1: yeah
0: <laughs> bill bill might be in the meh game uh, level Anyway, why don't we uh why don't we do a book? Alright. Let's do a book.
1: Who's got the book? Well we doing Marvel first or we doing the old book first. Old book would be you, Paul. No,
0: we we're doing old book is me. Yeah. No wait, old book is Scott. Old book would be Scott, but we do Marvel DC yes. Indie.
1: Format more
0: As long as you're rich. Just do your book, Bill. Lo- stop, stop trying to not do a book all the time. I'm the one not doing a book this week. Okay, lazy shit. That's right. out lazy, lazy shit is I think the term. That's Mister Piece of Shit to you. <laughs> All
1: right, I've got Journey into Mystery: The Birth of Krakoa. And what was the 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 joke in the text message earlier this week? <laughs> is his Krakow. first name Butt?
2: It's the island that the island that walks like a man. Is that what it is? Yeah. His first but. name is Butt.
1: But Krakoa. <laughs> Anybody not familiar with Krakoa? I know you guys are, but if those in the audience are not, the e- Krakoa... East, east of Java, right? East of Java. Kilimanjaro or something. Well, no, that's a mountain. <laughs> I don't know. East of Starbucks. No, oh, he was introduced to... It was in the uh, the X-Men Annual, if I remember correctly, giant right? size, X-Men. giant size, x giant,
0: yeah. giant size. X-Men. You may have heard of it. It was, it was kind of a popular book.
1: Yeah, it was you know it was hip with the kids back in the day, which might have been us.
0: That was my day. So back, that you, was back in my day. Do either of you own that book? I do. I
1: think. I don't know. I
0: might.
1: I haven't cataloged any X-Men, so I don't know.
0: No, no ifs, ands, or buts. I own it.
1: Uh-huh. So Krakoa, Kilimanjaro, whatever you want to call them. So that, yeah, he was in, uh, yes, he his, his aliases are Island That Walks Like a Man.
2: Walks like a man, looks like an island. Why would I call him Kilimanjaro? I,
1: I was just because it was a K name. That's oh. that's a mountain, not, a, I not know. an island. It could be a mountain. He's a mountain of an island. Did you know he has relatives? No. Yes. No, this is not a joke. I'm looking on the page for, for Krakoa. His relatives are... Vega Superior, a son-slash-spawn who is deceased. Krakoa of the X-Men, grandchild. Yeah, I remember that one. (laughs) Krakoas... Sorry. I'm I'm just so juvenile. Krakoas of the Hellfire Academy. Krakoa Brood, hybrid. Krakoa Krakoa Sinister... Castle Clones or Spawn Deceased, and then Krakoa, Presumed Sun Spawn. Base of Operations, formerly the Pacific Ocean. Identity, Secret Identity. <laughs> Occupation, Predator. <laughs> uh, I'm not an island, what?
2: Does he work at the Daily Bugle? <laughs>
0: <laughs> they they so had, a, I think the, the one was in, uh, it was like X-Men Academy or something. Or it might have been Wolverine in the X-Men when he was training the uh, the young X-Men. Well, it says, yeah, something like that.
1: Uh, yeah, so kind of what we are going to discuss is the origin, or as one might say by the title, the birth of Krakoa. And there was two covers. Uh, I don't know if you guys... I actually have the variant cover in the version I picked up. Um, I believe what we're all looking at is the cover with... The shadows of what is actually the Howling Commandos in the jungle, and behind them is a a coverage of foliage and trees that, suspiciously enough, looks like a big skull or mouth looming over them, ready to eat them. You guys, you guys picked up on that, right? That's,
0: yes, it's very, okay. it's very subtle. Uh, I, I like the way that you could see uh, the derby and the beret in the shadows of the uh, of oh, the, the, the Howling Commandos.
1: Yeah. So the the alternate cover by Ben Gladwell? Caldwell. Caldwell, I believe. Hold on. I got it here. I got it. I got it. I got notes. And they ain't here. Wait. There they are. Yes. Caldwell. Ben Caldwell. Uh, that is a cover with... it. It's very reminiscent of uh, in the movie Heavy Metal when all the zombies come to life. All the dead pilots and stuff in the planes you know in the section of the of the movie at when the guy bails out of the b-17 and lands on the island and all the uh the dead japanese and american fighter pilots come to life and crawl out of their planes and go after them well with this there's like the skeletal versions of the howling commandos and they're all mixed into this living blob of uh foliage and, and trees and muck and grass and You've got Nick Fury standing on the beach with his back turned to this approaching clob of gook. And he's saying, look sharp, boys. This is this is no day at the beach. Which I think is kind of a little reminiscent of maybe the good old days of Journey to Mystery or Strange Tales. Life, so, life is our, a beach. And then you marry one. Oh, sorry. I was say that out loud. Getting back to our indicia. So our story is by... Dennis Hallam, uh, penciler. Who? Oh boy, Hallam, hopeless. What? Oh, I'm looking at the. more. You know what? It is that in the book, but for some reason, over on the on the page, it says Dennis Hallam. Is that a pseudonym?
0: I guess it is.
2: No, his his real name is Hallam. He
1: he's adopted this. It is a pseudonym, yeah. yeah.
2: Dennis Hopeless. Anon de Plume. Yes.
1: Anon de Plume. He doesn't have a feather in his hat. What? Oh, sorry. Never mind. Sorry, I'm sorry if I had the wrong... I, I had the right information, but not for what's in the book.
0: Okay, I'm just looking Depends forward to, to, to you telling me who the artist is. <sighs> mm. Jabril Morissette Fahn. Wow! <laughs> now, I don't know if that's correct, but that's exactly how I would have pronounced it. and I think it's correct. I just went with it. I didn't try to think.
1: <laughs> I just did it phonetically. <laughs> I just spit it right out there.
0: That person? I'm just over the Skype airwaves. I'm patting you on the head right now and saying, "Good job, Bill." <laughs> Have, a good boy.
1: Have a good boy. Have a good Bill.
0: I should, hey, I should like I p- hand you a Scooby snack right now.
1: <laughs> the I don't. I do not. I do not know if this person is male or female. So we'll just say, "De DJ,
0: you did so good the first time. <laughs> you had to go back to that well.
1: <laughs> they're the penciler, and the inkler. the colorist is Rachel Rosenberg. Letter is Travis Lanham, Latham, Lanaham. Editor is Annalise Biasia, Biasa, Bissa. Oh God, I'm just chewing this up. It's, mm. You know, it just mm. reminds me
0: in in the last episode of Mary Tyler Moore. There's a, a they're all getting fired, and Ted stands up for them, and then backs down at the last minute. And uh, Maurice says something to the effect of, like, you know, if a pig flies, you don't get mad at it it for not staying in the air too long. And that's what I'm thinking with you pronouncing names correctly. (laughs) Uh, The the
1: cover artist of this cover that we're looking at with the tree slash skull is Greg Smallwood. Uh, Like I said earlier, the variant cover is Ben Caldwell. The, I says I said, the editor is Annalise Bissa, C.B. Sabulski is the editor-in-chief, Joe Quesada is the chief creative officer, I almost said enforcer, Dan Buckley is the president, and Alan Fine is the executive producer. And I tried so much not to steal Tom Harris's shtick, sch- because he always goes, and Alan Fine is the executive producer. Always makes me chuckle when he says that. So we open – guess what, guys? I got no written
0: synopsis. You've spent more time describing the cover than it would have taken us <laughs> to describe the story. You go ahead. Oh, okay, so in the story, the the howling commanders are flying back
1: from a mission in spring of 1945. Uh, Nick Fury, obviously wanting to give his guys time to rest, uh, pretends that he's having radio problems and cuts out and basically takes the long way home. In doing so, he inadvertently puts him and himself over an island in the Pacific when an uh, atomic bomb test is taking place, which damages the plane and causes them, most of the crew, except for Nick, to bail out. Nick, dis- and, uh, as they're floating towards the island, I believe it's Izzy, starts freaking out because he's like, I've seen that type of explosion, in top secret films, we don't want to go to the island. We, we got to stay away. But um, meanwhile, Dum Dum Dugan and oh, I can't remember. Is it Jones? Who is it? Gabe Jones. Gabe Jones, right. Dum Dum Dugan and Gabe wash ashore ahead of the rest of them. And uh, Gabe sticks his hand. I don't know why he sticks his hand. Uh, just maybe he's not pay, paying attention. He, but you
0: never saw the movie The Blob.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because he just sticks his fingers right in this green oozing mud oh, and wipes it on his pants. Did he? Ah, uh, yeah. Well, you know, The Blob wasn't out at this time, and neither was Creepshow. Meteor shit. Oh. So uh, later, the rest of the crew washes ashore, and Izzy's freaking out, and uh, the other. Uh, oh, they also. Realize that Nick uh, safely landed the plane on the island somewhat, but they can't find him. This is uh, Gabe and Dugan. Meanwhile, the rest of the guys wash up on shore. They have to knock out uh, Izzy, which that's what I got from that because we, we, we cut away and we hear a thud. Now, a, that's either him dropping to his knees or somebody bonked him on the head to calm him down.
0: I think I think somebody I bunked him, That's and then he dropped to his knees, because then he's unconscious True. afterwards.
1: Well, I don't know, because he is like, freaking out. He could just be freaking out and passed out. I anyway, guess. he's passed out. The guys drag him to shore. Dum-Dum wakes up. He looks over at Game jo- Jones, and uh, now he's got basically, like, green, scaly type of green growth, leafy-looking things. And we cut away from there to Nick Fury, who's must be in the prison where Bruce Wayne was, trying to climb up to the hole. Ah, but psych! He gets tossed back down the hole by the island, we were, or something that's, like, kind of taunting him. Saying, yes! Meanwhile, anyway, the rest of the fellows are looking for food, and uh, they can't find anything on the bombed-out island, when suddenly, out of nowhere, palm trees like, jut up out of the ground and give them uh, coconuts. Uh, and then back on the shore where everybody washed ashore, Izzy is. I'm not sure if he's. Uh, I think it. The book says he's hallucinating, but you're not really sure because with what we've seen happen to Gabe, he now sees the, all the all the fellows with like green scaly skin, and they're like, "Here, here, eat eat the you know eat the fruit we found," and he's like, "No, no, no, we're all dead." Uh, back with. Dugan and Gabe. He's trying to pry off the, the green stuff off of his uniform and his face, and it seems to come off easily. But but Dum uh, Dum cuts himself, and the stuff then starts to grow back quickly on Gabe. And Gabe just takes off running. Uh, um, Nick is having his own problems with the island because he's being like tossed through caves and underground caverns in inside the island, telling him to get out, die. Etc. Etc. And then it's there that Fury finds pretty much like the heart of the island, and the island explains explains that you did this, you hurt us, you killed everything. So and it shows uh, in Nick's mind he's seeing pictures of the bomb being dropped, and um, Nick says, you know, well maybe we did make you, but if that's but if that hurt, it's nothing compared to what they'll do when they come back. So next we see Izzy again, and there's a big lumbering green man thing slash swamp thing coming at him. He opens fire. Uh, everybody else is like, hey, what's wrong with you? Calm down. Then they see the, the green lumbering beast and get ready to shoot it as well. But uh, Dugan comes up, and he's got the stuff growing on one of his arms and says, no, that, that's Gabe. Don't shoot him. And then Gabe's, which is, this is part's kind of creepy. He's like, you shouldn't let them kill me. It's behind my eyes. It's in my mouth. Ugh. Just then, the island, or Krakoa, bursts from the ground and in a pretty uh, dramatic fashion. Although one scene looks like uh, the scene right out of Cabin in the Woods with a giant hand coming up that then crushes the cabin. But anyway, uh, it rips open its chest and out comes Think Fury. So, they arrange, uh, he says he's made a deal with the island, and along comes a rescue boat, and the um, the boat that comes doesn't detect any ratio, any ra- ra- radiation, see, that's the only way I can say that word, any radiation, and basically, um, they, Nick says, oh, you guys missed, there's nothing to see here, move along, you screwed up. Nothing going on. And as he looks back as they sail away from the island, there's two little beady eyes looking at him from the trees or like two holes that have been bored to look like eyes in the foliage. And basically he says, like, oh, yeah, maybe this will, the island will, maybe an island that walks like a man won't stay hidden forever. Like all dark secrets, Krakoa will eventually come into the light. But for now, he can sleep easy, knowing this day, like so many before it, was saved by Nick Fury and his Howling Commandos. The end. How
0: exactly did, like did Nick Fury and his Howling Commandos save the day?
1: Um, well, they saved themselves, mm-hmm, obviously, the mm-hmm, island. Mm-hmm. And uh, they didn't incur the wrath of the island who would attack the guys that came mm-hmm, to save them mm-hmm, or to okay. check the, the testing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they saved the day? For them? Hmm. Okay. Uh, It's not forever. I mean, you know, then the X-Men are going to come and, you know, I'm I'm thinking he
0: really didn't do much of anything except be able to Got his men out and that's his mission and that's all that matters. Uh And
1: don't you knock on Nick Fury. I don't care what they say he did and put him on the moon.
0: (laughs) Well, but they're saying Krakoa can rest easy knowing that Nick Fury saved the day what did what did Nick Fury really do for him other than just not say that he exists
1: well now no nobody'll bother him he's a, he's a hermit island
0: until, yeah, the, why, so until until he comes back later until and, they
1: dropped a bomb on him he was happy all by himself although one could say that the bomb created him
0: happy as an island like hmm. clam yeah. I, I mean I thought this was interesting to read. I just thought it was yeah, kind it was, of I, an unnecessary I, I story to tell.
1: Well, it doesn't affect, affect anything in the long run except maybe this is the birth of the island. I mean, it might have been a mutant to begin with and the the whole bombing just kind of accelerated its evolution. That's
0: not Well, it would have to be. You know, right? Because the reason the X-Men discover it is through Cerebro, which means the island is a mutant. Yes. So it wouldn't be the bomb creating it, because then it wouldn't be—it wouldn't fit Marvel's definition of a mutant. It was born that way. Well, I mean, its
1: heart—it's—it's it's pulsating heart. It says it's uh, uh Not that the laying eyes on ten tons of pulsating radioactive monster heart does much to ease our hero's mind. So it's like, was it somewhat of a mutant? Did the island make it a mutant? Give it sentience?
0: I don't know. It'd be, don't, it'd be a tough, don't tough to get a stent for that thing.
2: <laughs> yeah, but if it was if it was the the bomb was the catalyst, then it's not a mutant. It's a mutate, which
0: is well, similar to Mut- Spider Man or the Hulk or the Fantastic. Yeah, exactly. War. Yeah, Warren considered to be you know, mutants
2: because you guys remember there was a, a great debate about this in the late '80s, early '90s. Um because I remember there was a, a famous banner on i might have been Spider Man number one, I forget, but there was a banner at some point on some Spider Man book that said, you know, it was poking fun at it. It said something about Marvel's non mutant superhero or something. Because there was this great debate, you know, uh was Spider Man a mutant? Was the Hulk a mutant? You know, these these ones that had been triggered by some sort of radiation and uh The the official, uh, you know, last word on this, supposedly, from Marvel was that uh, characters like Spider-Man, like uh, the Hulk, like the Fantastic Four, that they were mutates because they weren't born with those powers. Something triggered it, you know, and and it was usually, you know, something radiation-based or whatever. Well, it's
1: under its entry in the marvel database it says the um that the radiation somehow turned the island's ecosystem into a hive mind entity so the radiation is the catalyst that
0: created the hive mind
2: so hence it is not a mutant and if
0: it's not a mutant mutant then you know that's as defined by marvel uh Then it would not trigger Cerebro, which then would be a conflict of how it gets discovered in Giant Size
1: X-Men number one. it said, uh, I'm looking under its powers, it says, possesses an an instinct-based hive mind comprised of the life forms that form there. It can create moving semi-humanoid and animal forms of various sizes out of components. Earth. Its largest humanoid form possesses superhuman strength. Blah blah blah. It feeds on mutant energy and drains that energy quickly, often rendering mutants powerless. And though it often traps being using tentacle-like appendages, it can feed. It can feed off this energy as long as the being remains on the island. So maybe, when uh, it be, by feeding off of other mutants and absorbing that energy is how it gave off. Now, I know your next question is, well, then what did it, what mutants did it feed off of in order to trigger Cerebro, right? Well, I can't answer that. Plot! Hmm.
0: (laughs) Okay, now all that said, because we're getting into a whole debate over that, but all that said, as far as this book goes, I found the story to be kind of entertaining, although some of the motivations seem, I don't know, just kind of out there. Uh, I don't like the artwork. This is not my style of artwork. I'm trying to think of who it looks like. There's there's a specific artist who draws this way, and I can't think of who it is. But mm. but I don't I don't like this this dark, very thick-lined uh, style. Uh, Howard Chaykin. There is definitely some Chaykin likenesses in there, but Chaykin. Good cha- you know I think I've heard that cliche so many times good shaken and bad shaken. Good shaken is so much better than this mm. this this is to me this is bad shaken I, I don't like this artwork I don't mind the storytelling and the pacing and the uh just kind of the panel layouts. It's the actual rendering of the characters that I don't like.
2: Does it possibly remind you i I can't remember the guy's name, but the the guy. The guy who eventually became the artist on Walking Dead, the one that's actually done more of the bulk of The Walking Dead
1: than Tony Moore, or no, Tony Moore was the Tony original.
0: Tony Moore was the original. Um, I can't think of what oh. the guy's name is now. But yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it does. That's not all who I was. Red? No, no, it's, no not, it's not. Not definitely all not All Red. That's not who I was thinking of, but yeah, it does remind me of that. Uh, I do find that that guy's style is a little cleaner than this, but oh, similar. This came out last LX. year, too, by yeah. I forgot to say that. Yeah, I saw a 2018 <laughs> copyright on it. Oh, Charlie Adler. Yes, he's uh, he's the. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah the guy
1: I, I could see that. At. I could see Adler. Yeah, although it's kind of hard because usually he's stuff is always in black and white, but some of the covers. I could yeah
0: see now that this style definitely lends itself to a science, you know, like a 50s science fiction type story, which this is. Mm-hmm. Uh but the choice to have the and Commandos in it kind of takes it out of that a little bit as far as I'm concerned. So I go back and forth on it, but I'm just, it's just not a style that I'm a fan of. I'm not going to say it's bad, it's just not a style I'm a fan of.
1: Well, you know the thing with Original Sin, when they discovered that Dum Dum Dugan was actually a life model decoy and had been for some time? I hate that. I almost thought this was going to be the origin of that before I got to the end of the story to where Dugan had the stuff growing on him. I thought maybe maybe the howling commandos weren't all going to make it out of here. But that turned out not to be the case. I don't I
0: just I'm I'm a little bothered by the idea that you know all these stories we've been reading throughout all these years, oh yeah, that was just an LMD. It just bothers me. I I don't like it. Retconning them out of out of existence basically. Well Nick
1: Fury's still chained on the moon. He was all there through the exiles. I, I don't like that either that they set out. Yeah. I don't
0: like that. You know, that that's all just to the only purpose of that was so that they could have the Samuel Jackson looking Nick Fury in the Marvel universe. So I, I mean I understand why they wanted to do it. I just didn't like the method they chose.
1: Oh, I was just gonna spoil something I just read today out of an Avengers book that I was like, Wow, I, I I haven't read it. I flipped through it, and I'm I'm a little confused. I'll just say this: Mephisto is in it. He's not a good guy. He's not a good guy. And the squadron—so huh, some very bad puns. The Squadron Supreme of America, and they're the heroes of Washington D.C. So they're like the D.C. heroes. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> yeah. And they—they're created by or somehow they're created by Phil Coulson, who makes a deal with Mephisto, and I'm like, huh? What? Eh, not sure where that's going. But hey, next week, got Savage Avengers to look forward to. Hooray. <laughs> Savage Avengers? Oh, you haven't heard? Let me fill you in, Scott. We're going to have a team comprised of Conan the Barbarian. Frank Castle, the Punisher, Electra, Brother Voodoo, um, Venom, I think. Did I mention Electra? Yeah, I think that's the Savage Avengers. Oh, are you wondering how Conan got to the mob? Uh, oh, yeah, Conan now lives in the Savage Land. Are you wondering why I won't be reading it? <sighs>
2: uh, hey, I... Yeah. I
1: I uh, thought I you told know, you about I'll,
2: the Savage Avengers already. I'll, you give did. The, I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. It it could be interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll give it a few issues. Well, who am I kidding? It's Avengers. I'll have to buy every issue.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I uh I, I kinda liked uh Frank and uh and Electra being together in the Thunderbolts. I kinda dug that dynamic. That's different than oh, having yeah, I mean, them
0: in there with Conan. Yeah, yeah, but yeah you know I, d- what? I don't
2: know how I feel about that oh i know how I, 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 I feel I, at this point i <laughs> i think the the whole thing of, of bringing these you know the the older character you know the the characters from older time periods into the modern day to play for a while i, I think has been done at this point cuz they did it with with Jonah Hex they did it with um, Red Sonia not long ago so yeah i'm i'm not yeah i don't know about that but then again i mean I really have absolutely no, you know, knowledge or touchstone with with Conan really whatsoever. So I don't know. Could be interesting, but well,
1: Wednesday when I went to the co- to the store, I got the um, the the free Marvel preview that comes out. This thing right. was huge. It's gonna I be mean, huge. I mean, I'm like. Yeah, exactly but i mean this thing i was like wow so i was like well maybe maybe they like repeat some stuff i flipped through this i'm like what the?" so there's like at least okay so the the punisher is going to be in savage avengers i guess right now he's also the cosmic ghost rider i don't know if he's from the future the punisher is yeah he's frank castle from what i'm understanding And then there's, so, and he's, they're doing a book like, uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider Destroys Marvel History, I don't know what's going on with that,
0: and then, um,
1: (laughs) and then, then there's another book that's going to come out, Punisher Kill Crew, it comes out of War of the Realms, which is the, the latest event that'll kick off, whoopee, yeah, because now all the books are going to be interrupted by the War Realms tie-in,
0: you goody, (laughs) (laughs) See <laughs> so, you know uh, you know what I'm getting from all of this. I'm getting getting that the, 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 sorry, you don't you don't have a lot to say you don't have a lot to say about Journey into mystery.
1: Well, no, well yeah, <laughs> I, I, I just got to bitch that shit again because of this because I was in you know in the bathroom where I do my reading, and I got to the back of that book and I reading. tried to count. yeah, yeah quote unquote reading. <laughs> I I got to the back and I'm like, man, how how many books are going to come out from, like, June 10th to July 1st? I stopped counting at 70 for that month. I'm like, God, enough. No wonder you oh, you guys just, you know what? Stop putting out so much crap and put out better books.
0: There's, there's, says, there's a reason I don't read new crap, stuff. I love it.
1: <laughs> yes. Ah. Uh. <laughs> you know, I had no big problems with this art. What
0: would you think of it, Scott? <laughs> Scott, Scott, Scott. Sorry, I was uh, muted. What? What was the question? What'd you think of the art? Eh, it's all right. It's all right. All right. So I'm the most down on it. That's okay. <laughs> I could live with that. I mean, it's
2: it's not my preferred style either, but it, you know, I mean, it's
0: all right. It's serviceable for what it is. If it was a pure horror story, I think I'd be more uh, accepting of it. Right. But just you know to. To try and mix it into the real Marvel universe with the uh, so, if this was just a Commandos.
1: expendable group of army guys, you would probably like this better. I think, I think of
0: the I Commandos, knowing they're going to get out of it, and and also knowing the characters and putting them and putting them into this style of artwork, mm. not only the story but the artwork. Uh, it's and it's not a bit. I don't think it's a terrible story. I think it's a story that did not need to be told, but. I mean it's okay. Well,
1: well, I think it came around around it came out around the Halloween time frame, so I think it was just, you know, trying to cash in a little bit. Yeah, I mean all, I I I mean I like the uh for the cover, I like the two different covers. This one with the, you know, the the face in the trees uh is good and the um my uh, uh the variant I think is very throwback to 50s horror. Um, so, uh, I guess grade wise, I would give the cover, I'll get, I would give both covers B's and the interior art for me, I would do, um, C plus B minus and the story B plus. So it's like a B, B
2: for me.
0: You want to go, Scott? Ah, yeah, I'll go. Um, (laughs) I thought that was your (laughs) review when you went, "Eh!" (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, honestly That is that is the best way to sum it up That's kind of how my feeling of the whole thing um, It's a book Yeah, it's a book it's, it's okay, it didn't do anything for me It didn't change my life I, I, I agree with Paul, I don't see where this is Necessarily a story that needed To be told um, That said, I mean, it's it's Enjoyable enough, how much does this cost I that's Oh, the, that's what it's like uh, do see a price on it anymore anyway. oh, I bet you sure it's, it's pricey it's,
1: yeah, I think it's three ninety nine at True. least. that? That's why I got it for two bucks.
2: I got it for two dollars. Yeah, but even two dollars. I think I think cent. I'm setting
0: my limit on this one on a buck. Yeah, this is a dollar story. Yeah, that's a dollar book.
2: But I mean, it, it wasn't horrible. It just, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's kind of there.
0: That's it. That's your review. So you, you got that's no letter I'm grade. It's just, eh. What is uh, it my mean? letter grade would be <laughs> C's all around. All right, I'm going to say the cover that I have is the one with the skeleton in the trees. I kind of like that. I, I think it's it's simple cuz it's, you know, mostly shadows and just uh only almost almost like the uh the shape of the uh brush. You're not really seeing individual leaves or anything to speak of. Mm-hmm. Uh but I like the way it all puts to, the way it all falls together. Uh so I'm going to say a B on the cover. The interior art, I'm just not a big fan of the style. It's not so much that I think it's bad, I just don't like this style. So I'm going to try and remove myself from the equation a little bit, and I'm going to say a C-plus on the art. uh, If, you know, if this style doesn't bother you, at least a C-plus. And the story, to me, it's it's the definition of average. It didn't need to be told, but it's okay. It's not a bad story. I'm going to say a C on that. Overall, I'll give the book a C-plus. And that'll do it for the birth of Bud Krakoa. <laughs> Bud. Bud Krakoa. <laughs> Private eye. Spuds McKenzie's brother. <laughs> it's the island detective that walks like a man. So we might as well go on to our <laughs> second book of the day. Well,
2: I'm, I'm thinking, are we up against the clock here? Cause
0: you think we're, I, I you think we're, we're doing a one-book day? Holy, well, why, yeah, why, uh, oh. we are, yeah, we are be. a little tight for time, because I don't know if we'd have enough time to get through, we could start your book, but I don't know if we'd have enough time to finish it, so why don't we hold on mm. to it, we're doing a one book day, okay. we got any letters, any email we could cover, uh, we'll the letter got...
1: B, <laughs> today's show is brought to you by the letter B, oh, wait, I think we do have at least one letter we could cover, you guys, mm. you all suck, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> What's the matter, you? Hey, you it, it all comes. Uh, it all goes full circle. Cover the mail. This isn't the one. This isn't the one threatening us, or they want our money, is it?
1: Oh wait. Uh, well, yeah. Hold hold on. There was something in the inbox.
0: New order.
2: Another Karachi.
0: <laughs> New order, Karachi. Uh, we uh, we we have two two letters in the regular bins email. Oh, box. in the
1: regular, not in the inbox. Miss Huda. Algerson
0: now, this is in, in the bins mailbox instead of the Avengers Spotlight one. And the first, uh-huh. one, first one is from Luke Giaconetti. And it is titled, Nothing to Fear but the Fearscape itself. Pliers of the Time Stream. Hey, fellas, just wanted to drop you a quick email to say that I have really enjoyed your coverage of Fearscape. Like you guys, I had never heard of the series, but after hearing your coverage of it, I am intrigued by the story and want to pick it up. Unfortunately, these small press books often fall through the cracks. That's just the nature of comics. So I really appreciate you shining a spotlight on a book which is so far outside of comics normally covered on Back to the Bins. Paul, Dr. Bill, and Scott did all did a really wonderful job of doing the deep dive with this series and not just being a, a mere casual reader. And he put casual reader in quotations, like the way it's written in the story. <laughs> and he writes, "haha. ha. <laughs> and while our fearless hosts always impress me with their incredible knowledge of comics history and creators, hearing you espouse literary and philosophical musings brought a smile to my face. It is really amazing if you sit down with previews each month to really absorb the depth and width of comics being published today. There is stuff out there from all sorts of genres, all sorts of publishers, and all sorts of creators. And it has never been easier to get the exact comics you want each month, whether you use a brick-and-mortar LCS or a mail-order service. Truly, this is a great time to be a comics fan. Thanks, and looking forward to whatever is pulled out of the bins going forward, Luke. And I totally agree with Luke as far as the breadth of choices that you have, but the problem is finding those choices and I guess if you sit there with previews and you go through it, uh, you know that's obviously a, a way of seeing everything and it comes out in a given month. But to know what's what and to know what you want to read, uh, you know more often than not, I think we're working on either creators that we know or characters that we know or. If it's not one of those, then we're working it on word of mouth. If somebody says, hey, you want to check this out, you know, whatever. So, if you know, Scott, I think you, you were only with us so far from one issue of this one, right?
2: Yeah, just that first one.
0: Yeah. So I know, uh, you know, Bill and I have been enjoying this, this series. And if we brought it to people who enjoy it as well, I'm very happy to know that we've done that. Uh, I don't know, you know, if there's people who who are listening and say, "Boy, I have no interest in Fearscape," and you know, when I see that's what you're covering, I'm not going to listen. It's possible that we have those out there too, mm. uh, but I know we've been enjoying it. And uh, as we record this, we have re- recently received the preview issue of uh, n- number five, which ends the first story arc. So we're definitely going to at least cover through that. Cool. So, and that's it well if there
2: are people doing that as you say you know that it's popping up on there you know that that's what the subject is and and they're you know deciding to skip it then kudos for them for not making a big deal about it because yeah
0: <laughs> yeah well I, yeah actually i i agree with you I, I i appreciate people not criticizing us if we cover something they don't like uh you know, it, it, I, it's not that I'm so sensitive to criticism that I can't take it. Uh, it's just, I, you know, if it's just because we covered something you don't like, then better just you pass it up and wait for the next time. Uh, if you don't like the way, know, if you don't like the way we covered it, then I think you could let us know.
2: Yeah.
1: Ah, there's nothing like a good hate listen. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I hate listening to you guys. We have another email from Kirk. Anybody want to uh, get that one? Uh, It's kind of addressed to Scott. Is it? But uh, Yeah, there's a section there for Scott. But I'm assuming Scott does not have the email open.
2: <laughs> I, do, I do not. I didn't know.
1: Uh, he's okay. just, How did I know just that?
0: quietly sitting there in the background, hoping one of us will read it without Please. calling him out. He's like the kid in the
1: classroom going, don't call on me. Don't call bus on me. Bus is coming.
0: Go. Bus is coming. Throw Scott. <laughs> 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 Ooh, bell rings. Bell
2: rings. Everybody, everybody. For, some reason, is for gone. some
0: reason, this mailbox is very, very slow to respond when I, when you click so on So it's things. not just me? No. Okay. Because I'm, I'm waiting, waiting for this, this, is... this email to open because I would read right it.
1: Right-click right click on the email like you're going to open it in another tab, and the email will pop up instantly. That's what I've been doing lately, it seems oh, to work. Oh, there you go. Yeah.
0: So, All right. So you, you know the trick now, too. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So Kirk's mm-hmm. email is titled, Glitch in the Time Stream. Hi guys, something very strange happened to my smartphone when the battery ran down this week. Some stop looking at porn. <laughs> oh, some sorry. podcatcher-style app came up, and without any input from me, it started downloading Dave's Daredevil podcast, the Davecast podcast, and an old Back to the Bin's episode called Bookless Mike from the late summer of one year. Don't know why this happened, as it had already, as I had already heard all of these shows. But the interesting thing was hearing Scott describing his Marvel reading project, how he was up to nineteen sixty-five, what what he was enjoying—F.F. Thor, Cap, Avengers, X-Men—but also what he was not: art by Don Heck in Iron Man and Avengers. His observations. (laughs) Scott, how's that
2: reading project going, there, buddy? (laughs) I'm still plugging away at it from time to time. Yeah, but I think you kind of like
1: dropped a few things by the wayside. You've said. (laughs) Like, yeah, I'm not going to read
2: that. I, I, yeah, I, I finally decided <laughs> that I was doing this for, for fun and enjoyment and, you know, semi-educational. But, you know, I, I was willing to try anything and everything. But I also decided that if I'm truly not digging it, then I, I wasn't going to subject myself to... To you know, forcing myself to to read certain things just to be you know whatever a completist or whatever. So like me with the Avengers, yay! So I did. I dropped. Uh, what did I drop? I dropped oh, X Men, oh. uh, <laughs> Namor. Um, there were there were a couple of them because at the end of the day, I mean, I really just you know I was I was happy to branch out to those other things, but I I only ever started doing this because I wanted to read through. The quote-unquote core books, you know, I wanted to read through. Uh, well, for one, FF, just because in listening back to some of our older episodes, it really did hit me that my the bulk of my knowledge of the FF comes from Burns Run. Well, Byrne didn't come into the FF until like what was it, like two thirty-two or something. So there's a lot well, of history with a, that
1: team. He did have a little bit of an earlier. Right. No, I,
2: I I know, but you know, I mean, that where, yeah, where, yeah. where he was the writer artist, you know. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I really didn't have a lot of knowledge of the FF. So the FF was on my list, um, Spider Man. So it was basically the FF, Spider Man, Cap, Thor, and Iron Man, though, and and the Hulk, and those were the ones I really wanted to read through. And and I thought I'll try anything else that pops up. Um, but if it's not wowing me, it's not wowing me. So. Like I say, I dropped the X-Men because, I'm sorry, those pre, um, I was going to say pre, you know, new X-Men, but I remember the Adam stuff being good. So when I get to the the Adam stuff, I'd probably go ahead and read that because I don't know if I've read it all, but what I've read of it, I really liked. And if nothing else, it's pretty artwork, you know. Um, But yeah, the X-Men just got to be just a horrible slog i'm sorry but those issues that were terrible you know i mean just stupid villains and dumb plots and it was just really bad
1: don't you make Do-
2: fun of the vanisher don't you make fun of the vanisher <laughs>
0: well I know, I know like the issues in the 20s and most of the 30s of that series were kind of where it hit its nadir uh right but i do feel like it kind of came back up a little bit before the neil allen thing i i know it's got don heck artwork so you know whatever but i, I liked, right. i liked the whole death of professor x storyline and uh you know then they break up and you have some solo stories and in the backup stories you had uh you know the origins of the individual characters i i was a fan of that stuff so i can't really criticize right. it all that much but there were yeah there was a run in the twenties and thirties, I think Roy Thomas was writing it then uh where you know there's occasional kind of a you know a better point in there, you know introductions of characters like the mimic, which I enjoyed uh but there's also you know yeah him i him
2: I like because I liked him in um exiles, I came to really like that character, so yeah him him I do like the mimic.
0: But there's definitely some some weaker issues, Count nefaria and his whatever crew of uh villains that he had you know the, the unaman no, no, this was before the Unamen. this oh. is he had you know villains like the porcupine and his group and stuff like that <laughs> I mean it was just so some, some bad stuff or or uh I'm trying to even remember some of the villains they had, but you know there there's definitely some 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 real weaker issues in there. Again, I was i w I've always had kind of a soft spot for the X Men, so I can't criticize it too much. Right. So but I, I just remembered uh, Daredevil was the other one. I, I finally dropped Daredevil. I could Well Daredevil's another one that early on it, it took it took a long time for Daredevil to kind of find its feet. Uh I I enjoy right. I enjoy some of the seventies Daredevil stuff, like when they introduced Bullseye and I, I liked the whole being on the West Coast instead of New York, just because it was a little different from anything we were seeing at that time. Uh, and, you know, his whole right. relationship with the Black Widow. I thought there was some good stuff in there, but Daredevil on a whole, uh, you know, definitely had a tough time finding its way. Uh, and I think he, even even Dave Weeder would agree with us on that, and he's probably the biggest Daredevil fan I know. Right. So I'm going to just continue with, uh, with Kirk's letter because I didn't finish it. Uh, again, talking about you, Scott, his observations on the appeal of Gene Colan taking over Iron Man after starting on Submariner was really spot on. As this was the time period where I first started reading Marvel Comics, these issues, his artwork, and the factors Scott discusses are right in my wheelhouse. Scott's question of why Stan would have dumped the powerhouses of Marvel U from Avengers in favor of just four people was especially good, as that was a puzzle for a lot of people. Paul was right on when he said these four people had no books of their own. You didn't have to explain why why they were, excuse me, where they were, or what else they had been doing, or words to that effect. Anyway, it was a surprising jump to walk down memory lane for me, and I enjoyed it. Looking forward to more contemporary Avengers issues in Avengers Spotlight sometime soon. Your friend, Kirk Greenfield. Thanks, Kirk. And I appreciate, and I would imagine Scott does, too. We appreciate your thoughts and that you appreciated listening back to an episode. Absolutely. And that will do it. (laughs) (laughs) That's all our email, huh? That's that's all, folks. We do have some Avengers Spotlight email, but we'll uh, we'll save that for an Avengers Spotlight (laughs) episode
2: so i'd like to i'd like to put the call out there for for both feedback um you know right in because we we need to refill the the mailbag um but also you know i'd like to i'd like to hear from both some folks we haven't heard from yet you know if you're listening and you've never uh let us know that you're listening you've never you know given us a shout out or whatever then uh You know, right into the show, let us know, you know, how you discovered the show, what you think of the show, that sort of thing. Um, I'd also like to hear from uh, some of the folks that used to write us on a regular basis that we don't seem to hear from anymore. I'd just like to know if they're still out there. I was listening back to um, some old episodes uh, just this past week, like when we were working our way up to '99, we had all those fraction episodes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, uh, there was a fella, Chris McGee, that used to write in, like, every single episode. Chris, if you're still out there, buddy, uh, give us a shout. Let us know you're still listening, because uh, I, I can't remember having heard from him in a, in a long, long time. And
0: I haven't heard know, from Jose of... Rivera in a long
2: time. Yeah, I know, right? You didn't make so, Mr. McGee angry, did you? No, I hope not. Um, hmm. you know, he didn't just, make you angry. I mean, I know people, you know, come and go, and, you know, listenership changes and that sort of thing, and that's fine, but... Um, I you know just I'd like to I'd like to know that there's you know a, other people listening too so um, and if you don't feel like writing into the show just uh, you know tag us on Facebook or something and let us know that you know you're listening uh, you know put a little you know put a little hashtag out there I'm listening to Back to the Bins or whatever. you know just some stupid thing to let us know that you're out there and, and you're actually listening and enjoying the show because. You know, as much as we enjoy doing these things, you know, I enjoy it that much better if I know somebody's actually listening to it. So,
0: It yeah, uh, does make it more pleasurable, I have to say, hey, to, to know that it's being appreciated by someone.
2: Absolutely.
0: You can play the right song.
2: Is there anybody out
0: there? Yeah, no, we're not playing that song.
1: Is there anybody no. listening?
0: No. No.
2: You're going to play that. Play uh, Pink Floyd. Yeah, song. that's overdone.
0: <laughs> Pink Floyd is overdone? Yeah. Play, uh, we'll go with Todd Rundgren. Hello, it's Todd me. Todd Rundgren. Hello, it's me. Because mm. you, you, you're yeah, about... used to doing Lionel Richie when we talk about hello. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I mean, you, you know, asking for uh, people to write it, we go, Oh by myself. Alone again naturally? Mm. Oh, Yeah. I was yeah. trying to, I'm, I'm trying to think of some quick lyrics uh, We got no email we'd like to hear But we're so sad today So please write in to us We won't cry and fuss We'd love to hear what you have to say And we won't tell you to go away <laughs> <laughs> not, bad, not
0: bad for right off the top of your head <laughs> Like like that, baby You know Andy Leyland, but you'll do What <laughs> See you next week everybody
2: bye-bye thank you so much for listening to our show and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back issue awesomeness you can contact back to the bins to leave feedback comments questions suggestions and criticisms via email at bins at two true or by joining the back to the bins group on facebook Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't
0: you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. You didn't say goodbye, Scott. Bye. There you go.